and welcome to episode 57 of the Podding Shed. And so, as it does on occasion, Jose's blue juggernaut spluttered a little when it reached the northeast. Gus Poet's Sunderland achieved what Rob- Roberto Di Matteo's Schalke found impossible as the Black Cats became the first team to keep a clean sheet against Chelsea this season to earn a deserved point. We'll cover the games for the past fortnight in a little detail later on. Joining me, or Der Kaiser, Der Kaiser or Johnny as I'm otherwise known, to ponder the last fortnight in, or so in Chelsea terms are Dr. Blue Bayou, who is Donal. Good evening. Grocer Jack, who is Tony. Good evening. And So Contrary, who is Mark. Hello. Gents, thanks as always. Um, we'll start this week by paying tribute to our former manager, John Neal, who sadly passed away last week at the age of 82. John is fondly remembered by Chelsea fans for saving the club from relegation to the old third division in 1983 making some shrewd acquisitions in players like Pat Nevin and Kerry Dixon and leading the club back to the first division in style during the 1983-84 season, a period in the club's history fondly remembered by the thousands who followed Chelsea home and away. It's safe to say that John's contribution was vital to Chelsea's survival as a football club during the dark days of the early 1980s, securing a future and setting the foundations for success we experienced in the 1990s and beyond into the Abramovich era. Um, Gents, um, a sad day and... um, sort of the original special one for, for many folk of, um, of the previous generations, shall we say. Um, Mark, you kick us off with your, your thoughts about John Neal. I was, I was worried you were going to pick me. You're doing that purely on age, and you think <laughs> I'm a first-hand witness. <laughs> I, I couldn't possibly... Can I, just, can I just perhaps, for the, for the listener, mm. um, in order to... Uh, some of them obviously will be even older than us and therefore probably raging dementia and other people will be much younger. When we're talking about John Neal, we're probably talking about sort of May 1981 to sort of June 1985. Mm. And I think, sad as it is to say this, uh, when we're paying tribute to a great man, people are probably more likely to latch on to... Uh, that sort of period, if we mention that in March you had REO Speedwagon at the top of the charts with Keep On Loving You. Oh, and on the day, on the day that John probably signed on at Chelsea, uh, Sheena Easton was uh, at the top there with uh, Morning Train 9 to 5. Nice. So that helps to, to kick it all off, hopefully. It's, it puts, puts some context on it, it has to be said. Uh, and obviously REO Speedwagon was still there when he finished in June 1985. <laughs> You've got a website, haven't you? I can tell. <laughs> Although I believe it was Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears when he actually left. But there you go. That's just something to give you a little context. I thank you very much. much Carry on, Mark, now. That no, no, no. no. I've, I'm fully refreshed now. Your memory should be... No, 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 I think it's only right that I should now start reading Wikipedia too. Um, <laughs> I've got the internet in front of me right now. I wouldn't lower myself to Wikipedia. I use other far more reliable sources. <laughs> dra- dra- dragging it back to the topic in hand. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, in terms of John Neal, I've got to be honest. I don't remember John Neal that well. Obviously, right. I know he was our manager. Uh, but I certainly remember the period. And I remember the players. And, um, you know, Dixon and Speedy were two of my favourites. Old-fashioned uh, partnerships up front was fantastic. At the back, we had legends like Mickey Troy, who um, could only use his head, and even if the ball was like one foot off the ground, he'd, he'd rather stoop down and do a diving header than try and play it with his feet. Um, who else do we have in that team? You know, stalwarts like John Bumstead. Pat Nevin, fantastic he was. He would frustrate people, though. He'd beat the uh, fullback. 
and then think actually it's not enough and my dad's in the crowd watching I better go and do it again and he'd take the ball back and take it back to the halfway line and then try and beat him again a, pro- a prototype Joe Cole if we like um, yeah and also um, who else was there there Tommy Langley I think yeah he, he, would, have the team. About, he would have been about that time as well yeah uh, Colin Pates he was a good one Ian Britton there were some good players it was a good team and um in those days, we didn't have much success. I mean, our previous success to um, the 83-84 season, I can't remember, did we get relegated before then and come back up, or was think, the relegation yeah. Yeah, after we'd, that? we'd been down once in the 70s. Or yeah, yeah, down once in the 70s. But, you know, apart from the FA Cup in um, 1970 and the Cup Winners' Cup in 1971, mm. we'd never won anything. You know, that was the only glory I'd enjoyed yes. as a uh, fan when for the proceedings. When did we win the cross-channel trophy then? When was that? I can't remember remember that one. But, you know, we've been starved of success. And to be honest, I enjoyed um, promotion seasons as much as anything I've ever enjoyed watching Chelsea. Uh, I know it was a second division and we've been relegated. But the chase and and the fact that we went up fairly quickly and we didn't have to suffer, you know, years in the wilderness like Sheffield Wednesday or Nottingham Forest. Mm. You know, it it was a quick um, dousing in the lower league and then um, back up. They were great seasons. And... um, going to lower league clubs, places you wouldn't normally play against. It was exciting, and uh, it was a great period, and I remember it very well, apart from John. <laughs> uh, I think that was, for me, that, that's probably, that, that was kind of the mark of him, because he was, he was a, he was a little bit, um, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, but a kind of, you know, Ian, Ian Duncan Smith type. You know, he wasn't one for showboating and... Um, uh, and making a big scene out of things, you know, he used to sit there. I think he was quite a quite a hefty old um, smoker. I think he used to sit there and roll his fags up and, and and just quietly get on with things. And I think that that's that's, that's that was part of it. And I think it was probably at a time. I mean, it was it was um, uh, you know it was at odds with the image of the club. Um, I think to some degree, especially the image of the club as it as it as it sort of you know, matured under the Bates regime, you know, over years or whatever, um, you know, where you had this quite um, uh, out, out extrovert, outgoing, you know, wearing his fur coats and all this sort of stuff owner. Um, and John Neal um, was, was kind of a, I don't know, like, a, like an alter ego to that sort of thing. And I think he was... The, he, he he wasn't lauded very much, was he? I mean, it's like, I think wasn't he? Didn't he sort of move upstairs? And I think that was to do with his health at the time. He anyway. had health problems, mm. I think, which I think were related to the smoking and everything like that. Because I think he was a bit old school in that sense, you know, sort of uh, whatever. And was it Bobby Campbell that took over from him? Someone remind me. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was, I seem to recall it was something like that. But um, uh, uh, but you know, for me, that team was every like Mark just said. We had some. When you think, I think he probably cobbled it together on on a bit of a shoestring as well so to come out with players mm. like Dixon and Nevin and Speedy and, and the likes and all that was, was quite remarkable and that you know I, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly similar to Mark in the sense that it's almost he was such a quiet unassuming sort of man that it, you know, that's possibly why even my memory of him is, isn't that great because it was it was like he was a steady hand on a tiller the quiet captain sitting at the back of the, the, the boat steering you through what could have potentially been a pretty um ropey period or whatever and uh, mm. uh, you know plus at that time I was 20 years old so I was out you know experimenting with all sorts of mind enhancing <laughs> substances and fuck knows whatever else at that time um, <laughs> and not, not always football no and, and, and to be honest with you I mean my, my, my footballing 
interest uh, an actual attending at Stamford Bridge bearing in mind I lived in Hayes at the time had kind of stalled somewhat because there was this exciting you know the 80s the beginning of the 80s and, and that end of 70s was a very exciting time musically and um, you know you're off out Oreo, Oreo Speedwagon well you know you, you, you people you know you can knock them but of course it was the post-punk era as well so you had the new romantic thing going on as well and it was just uh, also, it was on the back of uh, a really, sh- what I thought was a shitty period in Chelsea's history, uh, on football's history, which was, you know, the football hooliganism, where you could barely go to a home game of the team you support with without someone trying to run run you after, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and it was, uh, you know, for me, I'm a, you've, all, you've all met me at one point or another, and you can see you're, I'm not, I'm not exactly... You're a lover, not a fighter, aren't well, you? Well, uh, not only that, but, you know, I've, I'm, I'm not exactly going to be signing up for any basketball teams very shortly, you know, with with, 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 with my with my stature, you know, so... Um, yeah, but know, being short is no excuse. I mean, look at David Speedy. He always <laughs> well, going to get into a fight. Well, yeah, and Dennis Wise, I suppose. <laughs> if you're going to go down that route, but uh, I guess that was my point, you know. So I I'd, I was having a sabbatical from Chelsea at the time in terms of attending, but mm. it was lovely to be able to pick up the newspapers and see that, you know, even when the, you had the sort of... The, the usual overblown tragedy bollocks that got spoken at the time of being relegated or whatever, this guy very quietly picked us up, dusted us down and brought us back up with some style. Wasn't that the year, didn't we hold the record, I think, of points one or something? That year? We, we scored a heap of goals. I can't... I'll, I'll, dig, yeah. dig, the, um, I'll dig the final table. We, we beat... Who did we beat? Was it Leeds we beat on the last day? I think it was, yeah. 5-0. And it was, yeah. I think we had, a, we had a really good result against Newcastle as well yeah. that season and were and played some, some pretty decent football. Yeah, yeah. Um, Donal, would you, would you care to, to chip in with... Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was sort of in my... Uh, what was I then? Yes, in my... Well, I was getting on. I was in my 20s. Um, and I was doing a lot of road racing then, so I didn't go to football. But I do remember it being a pe- period where, uh, having sort of come into Chelsea when they were a stylish team who played good football... Then, you know, the 70s, that sort of mid-70s sort of slump where nothing seemed to go right. Eddie McCready seemed to get something going and then went. And um, I just remember it as a period where, like you say, it was a second relegation in like 10 years or something. And um, it all seemed to be going badly wrong. And he did, he seemed to turn it round very quickly and... Had a very good eye for a player, I think you have to say. You know, at a time where mm. Chelsea didn't have money, um, he was he was picking up and uh, you know seeing these players, bringing them in, and, and put a really a nice football team together. He's obviously a a football man. I, I think that his problem was having been at was it Wrexham, yes, and then Middlesbrough, and then Chelsea, who were not the most fashionable team at the time, and then retiring with ill health. That, that probably is one of the reasons why he's not remembered as outside of maybe Chelsea and Wrexham and some places as, as a as a big figure. And he was also, like you say, very quiet. I mean, this obviously was a time before football managers as media superstars. Mm. Uh, you know, yes, you had the Cloughs and the, the Shankleys and people like this, but a lot of managers just quietly got on with the job, didn't they? It was not a time where people... People made big impacts on on TV all the time, unless you were managing a very big, successful club. So, yeah, I, I think he was, in his quiet way, a, a very, very good sort of football man. He, he knew a player and he knew how to put a team together, mm. and his, his record showed that. 
and we'll never know. I think the sad thing is we'll never know how where it might have gone because he he you know moved upstairs with, with his health problems. Mm. But you, you'd like to think that you know they, they might have. I don't mean win win leagues or anything, but I think perhaps the following few years might have been a lot more enjoyable and steadier than they. They turned into it. Uh, yeah, it's interesting yeah. why why Donald puts that as well. That mm. you had you had those kind of um, fairly media, you know, maybe the the birth of the media friendly or the media superstar manager with, with the likes of Clough now. But then you did have you, you, these they kind of chiselled out of the same stuff as Sir Alf Ramsey, weren't they? Those mm. the Bob Paisleys and 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 people like John Neal. You know, they were just guys that used to work at football clubs. Who mm. happened to get the job of managing the team? You know, and there was there wasn't any of this this massive um, this, this almost like false idolatry that you see now um, that, that mm. surrounds these people. You know, but so, yeah, mm. yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. But by uh, the sound of it, I was the only one at the bridge then because Donald was <laughs> speeding around on his bike. <laughs> uh, I was speeding. In other so ways, you, 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 you were putting makeup on going to your culture club. <laughs> Concerts. Yeah, <laughs> bit more of a Duran Duran man actually. I think you find. Yeah. I was about, I was about twelve. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a there was a, a sort of ten year gap, I think, or more maybe. But while I was doing all this uh, pedalling round, watching all the people I was supposed to be racing with disappearing up the road, because um, yeah, it was it was sort of around the Porterfield era. I think that I started regularly go. Went to a few games here and there, but I think it was. Mm. It was the Portfield era when I finally hung up the the, the, the pedals and uh, started going regularly to football again. I was attracted, obviously, by the sight of uh, you know a midfield of Vinnie Jones and Dennis Wise. <laughs> That's what brought me back to the shed. A, a, lot, a lot of graft and not so much graft, <clears throat> as the case may be. Yeah, but then you think, you know, had, had John Neal stayed fit and healthy. He might still have been there at that time. You know, was he the sort of person? He'd stayed a long time at Wrexham, hadn't he? Yeah, exactly. If he'd, if he'd enjoyed yeah, such yeah. obviously getting on and staying the right side of Ken Bates <laughs> might take some well, doing. Not, yeah. ne- never the easiest but, thing, but... Yeah. But you'd like to think, it, you know, it might have... Uh, you know, that was 85. He might have had another four or five years there if, yeah, if, if you know, things were going the right way, so... Um, as you say, a, a quiet man, not someone who, you know, there's not like loads of clips of him on the TV and all that sort of thing, but mm. you just have to look at the team he put together for Chelsea or the teams that he put together. And, you know, they all had, they, they were made up of quite a lot of journeymen and so on, but he did pick out some really very, very good players. I mean, people like Kerry Dixon and Pat Nevin and so on. Mm. Yeah. No, indeed. Um, well, um, Yes, he passed away at the age of eighty-two, and um, will be much missed. Um, I think we will um, we will move on to um, the games that we've uh, we've been involved in over the last fortnight. Um, we'll start off with Sunderland, which was um, a, a bit of a strange one. One of those games, I think it's it's best described as. Um, credit to Gus Poyet and the um, the home side; they were probably one of the best organised teams we've come up against this season. Um, got themselves behind the ball, didn't do anything silly and just just kept us out and i think as um we didn't seem to start with the same kind of zip and conviction as we'd done under at against um west brom and schalke um which is understandable you know we're, we're in the realms of three games a week now um and suddenly it was interesting i just had a quick gander at some of um sunderland's stats for um 
for the season. And bar that really strange 8-0 aberration against Southampton, they've actually got a defence that's on a par with ours. So they are very well organised. They've got Lee Catterbold in there taking chunks out of people who, you know, not the most fashionable player, but are very, very effective. Um, and um, I think they, they kind of came into it quite late on. And I suspect that um, we were probably slightly lucky to come away with a point. Um, I don't think any of us were there. I certainly wasn't. Anyone else? No? No. 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 I watched it on the telly. Um, Tone, kick us off. Well, I think it was it was you could have foresaw it. I think um, we've had we've had two Carlsberg weekends prior to this, mm. where just about any result that could have gone our way did, as well as us doing our work. And um, and 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 this kind of comes along. And if this is our kind of you know blip or whatever, when all the other teams win and we still come away with the draw. My mate who I drink with, Chelsea Bob down the pub, has this thing that... Um, I used to have this thing that anybody whose name ended in EZ, Hernandez, Fernandez, um, Tevez or someone, would, would, would rattle a goal against us. He's got this thing about red and white stripes. Um, he seems to think that we, we do seem to have a little bit of a, a weird one against the old Stoke and Sunderland. I mean, they, were, they came to the bridge and beat us, didn't they, last season? And knocked us out of mm. the League Cup, didn't they, as well, last season, yeah. as well as I recall. Well, um, Poyet was looking to be the first ever manager to beat... Um, Beat Mourinho's side three three times on the bounce. He didn't quite manage it. But. No, but you know it was, it was a pretty good effort. I think also I think you're right. The the, the other point I'm going to make about the uh, is three games a week. So we'd had West Brom, and we were, obviously we we're going to come on to that. We'd had Schalke, so you've got a flight to Germany. You've got a flight back from Germany. Best will in the world. You're going to be getting back in the early hours of Thursday morning. Um, by the time the players get home or whatever. Um, you've I, suddenly... think, I think we came back the day before. Uh, well, okay, but the even points, so, the point stands. Yeah, the point but stands. you, you know, you still there. You still got a lot of travelling to do. You've got to get home, and then you've got a limited amount of um, training, probably a rest day as well in there as, as well. And then you've got a, a, a bit of a bastard of a journey up to up to the northeast. You know, I'm, I'm assuming they fly up there, but even so, you've it's... still got to go through all the stuff. So I think you, you're going to be in that. And I think this week's not particularly kind either, because because we've got Spurs on Wednesday and then Newcastle at twelve forty-five, I think, on Saturday. Yes, um, right. you know, so but. If, you, if you're going to if you're going to walk away with the pot at the end of it, you're going to have to put up with this stuff. And um, I think you know, for me, um, a hard-earned point anywhere up north um, against any team in the Premiership is probably better than we would have done in probably in previous seasons. Well, I think you know that um, you know Sunderland are, are, are going to be battling for you know possibly to stay out of the the bottom six or seven this season, um, mm. and Whatever I think that one thing that struck me was I don't seen don't recall seeing a team ever play Eden Hazard so well as um, as this lot did. Um, yeah, they they, they, they seem to shut him off completely. Absolutely, and I, I, that's slightly worrying, but um, <coughs> perhaps not perhaps not unexpected. Having seen the problems that him and our other creative Herberts had against West Brom last week as well, you know, for the last twenty twenty five minutes of a game, you know, so. Um, yeah. But I'm not unhappy with it, and I think if you'd have said you're going to go into December with three draws. Wins unbeaten, um, and 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 only having not scored in one game, you'd have been you'd have been pinching yourself, wouldn't you? You'd have been saying, "Oh, yeah, well, 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 right, yeah. yeah, exactly." So for me, hard-earned result. Um, I, I think there was a fabulous one. I think I'm, I'm, I need to to find it, but um, I, I, she goes under the um the Twitter name of um. Uh, the Chelsea blog, I think Chelsea Den, I think she, yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, and she she had a, a, a lovely tweet that she put out, which was my tweet of the day, which was, um, you know, uh, 
City beating Southampton wouldn't have been a surprise then and it isn't now, just after yesterday. We rely on our own games, not theirs. And mm. that's entirely that's entirely where we are with it, surely. That's Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, so Stand we didn't we didn't lose. Were well, you not surprised that they played the same team pretty much yeah, three games uh, on uh, the trot? Yeah, uh, given possibly. given what you're saying about you know, we're we're in this period of, of mm. uh three games a week. Yeah, like we, I, we, I, I, I do take that point, Dana. I think it's a good point mm. to make. But um, you know, the, 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 the sort of, we go back to this thing about sort of media star coaches and, uh, and whatever. I mean, mm. they're, they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. I mean, you look mm. at the reaction to Rogers putting Gerrard on the bench um, mm. when you know actually we we've, we've been doing that with Lampard for the last couple of seasons, giving him games where he can rest up or whatever. Mm. Um, so you know, there's there's on the one hand you, this what is this 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 star chamber of the media sitting there on Sunday supplement saying, well, you know, he's playing the same team. No wonder they're knackered. And on the other hand, he makes some changes. Why is he tinkering? It's uh, you know, a bit down. Yeah, you don't down change your winning side, sort of. Like exactly. Yeah, no, I'm, I, yeah. I don't yeah, know I which way it works really, but I, I thought perhaps he might have. Um, well, he probably will. I'd say against uh, Sporting Lisbon in a week's time. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the time because we're, we're, we're guaranteed top spot. But I think I do, whether it comes back to the fact that he's, he's maybe not entirely a hundred percent confident in in some of the the folk he's got on the bench. Um, but just, just specifically to talk about the, the game for a moment, there are a few points I thought were worth talking about. Um, in terms of refereeing, the, the referees were referees are always under the spotlight, obviously, but they were, they were particularly so this weekend. Um, the Costa-O'Shea incident, lots of suggestions that Costa was actually fairly lucky to stay on. I, oh, yes, by the letter of the law, he, he kicked out. But there was there was plenty of um, plenty of stuff going the other way, as far as I could see it. Um, but the other thing that and we've touched upon this before and, and grumbled and moaned about it. Um, but Sunderland were, you know, take nothing away from the, their result and the point they did very well. That the holding in the box at set pieces was it, it was beyond farce. Terry and Cahill were, were just clamped on every single opportunity and, and not allowed to go. And the referee could see what was going on and, and pretty much did nothing, um, which I, I, it's, it's becoming increasingly annoying. Which if you're a Stoke fan and you're watching that, yeah, exactly. Um, you were told by the high and mighty mm. when whatever is the name Shawcross. gave away a penalty, Shawcross yeah. got done for that. We were told that, well, this is how it's going to be, you know, stop whinging the rules are being applied mm. and you know from henceforth we're hoping that this is going to be the case everywhere you know this will stamp it all out i have certainly not seen a game since then when anyone anywhere and particularly as it happens having watched chelsea there's been two or three games now where this not just a bit of shirt tugging not just a bit of the black arts but literally picking a fella up and chucking him on the deck mm. has occurred and if you're a stoke fan if you're you know, and people talk about other big clubs, small clubs, this or that. They must be wondering what it was that day made the referee give that decision, because they don't give it at any other time anywhere else so mm. far this season. Now they will select doing it on another day, probably, and they will be defended by all sorts of urbits in the media. But you know, it, it, it's grossly unfair on that team to have been picked out that once for that one foul. And have it going on every week. It's it's mm. it, it reduces the game to farce. Well, it's I, th I think this is the thing. You know, we've we've all said it before. You can't be a hundred percent right all of the time. Mm. 
and we appreciate that, and I don't think anyone would dig referees out for that. No. However, just a bit of consistency <clears throat> would be helpful. And yeah. the blocking off the runs, the, the little tug on the shirt, you know, the uh, the argy bargy. That we all know that goes on, and, and you know mm. that's sort of taken as part of it. But the actual physically wrapping hands round. And literally, as someone goes up, I mean, in rugby, you're done now. If you if someone's off the ground, you grab hold of them and they end up on the deck, you're done for it. And that's meant to mm. be, you know, what you'd expect to happen in rugby. You know, but you're watching it now happen at corners in, in, with, with, you know, some regularity. And I find it astonishing that they haven't been, someone hasn't been called on it. Mm. Um, I will make a confident prediction here. Yes. If it comes down to the wire between us and whoever else for the title, somewhere down the line in the last handful of games, possibly at Stamford Bridge, a bit like happened to Azpilicueta last year, where the Sunderland man basically stood on his leg, lost his footing, went over and a penalty was given. Mm. I will guarantee... I will put five of my English pounds on the table here. I will guarantee. <laughs> He's that, he that, must be serious. He really one, one of our defenders will get done for manhandling someone in the penalty area in a game where it really matters. Absolutely nailed on to happen. Not because there's a conspiracy, but because it's just one of those things that you watch this all season. Mm. And it will be a high-profile game. Don't and it will be a high-profile game. You know, we saw it happen to us at Man United. It, it might be Man United or at Chelsea. It might, whatever. It will happen. I absolutely guarantee it. Mm. You heard it here first. Noted. Uh, Take away the two lids from me. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, um, you're, you're, for, you're for Penneth on such matters and, and the game itself. Well, obviously, it was frustrating. Um, but you get games that are frustrating. You, you know the expression... Um, some a colour is the new black. Mm-hmm. Yes. What, what, what colour is the new black this season? Cool, blimey. Um, that's a very good question. Well, you're obviously not up with fashion. I don't know either. But anyway, no, I think um, <laughs> using the same expression, are we the are we the new Barcelona? Oh, oh. but in a better way, actually. We are in a way. I mean, our passing is fantastic. I would say mm. the passing currently is the best passing Chelsea team I've ever seen. And that's because we've got a few players who can handle the ball no matter which way it comes to them with either foot. Yeah. You've got uh, Fabregas, Oscar, William, Hazard. They're all fantastic on the ball. And we can pass the ball, keep it. Uh, Matic can join in as well. It's a terrific um, bunch of players with terrific skills. Yes. And for most of the games that we've played, we've managed to convert that possession and good interplay into goals. Sunderland was the first game it didn't happen. We we passed it outside the box. In the end, we got a bit desperate with a couple of long shots. They were trying to lob it over defenders to players running in the box. It just didn't work. Mm. You know, it's one game. If it were to happen for um, five games in a row, we, we might start getting worried. But, uh, you know, I think we've just got to put it down to um, it's, it's, it's bound to happen. It's it's one of those days, yeah. I think um, but it's at West Ham. I mean, less less so because we we had we struggled a bit more last season. But West Ham at home last season was a yeah was was such a game. It could have, could yeah, there were played. about ten games like that last season. That was yeah. the problem. Could have, exactly. So yeah, I think if if we've if we've got a third of the way into the season, we've just had the first one. I think we're doing okay. I yeah. think um, 
it's 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 little to be concerned about so far. Um, well, you had you had the Maribor game the other week. You know, we sort of you, you're just going to get these games, aren't you? Mm. I think it did. They did follow a little bit the pattern of last season's games. I thought in that <clears throat> we looked, you know, fairly comfortable and relatively, you know, uh, you could be sort of fairly optimistic that we were going to score, um, and then just somehow didn't really get the job done. And then Sunderland, any time they got up anywhere near the penalty box, looked really dangerous. I seem to remember one of the mm. League Cup games being like that last year, or maybe it was a, a league game up there. There was a 4-3 game, wasn't there? Where yes. every time, you know, this was, you know, Sunderland, who had been struggling to, to score goals or, you know, look threatening in attack in plenty of other games, suddenly seemed to put the fear of God up as every time they got in the box. And uh, Saturday's game had a little bit of that about it, particularly as the game wore on. Someone was wondering whether, you know, is is the undefeated run starting to play on their minds? Yeah. Um, I I don't know. And you sort of start to think, well, if it is, we need to start thinking that it's better to lose one and win two than draw three, you know, and stay undefeated. I don't know. Does does it really play on anyone's mind? I, I I don't, I don't know. I, it, yeah, was, it was a I question that was asked, but yeah, you know. does it, I don't know whether whether it's 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 one of the things that that us mere mortals mm. think about, and, and actually, a professional sportsman goes out and thinks another game, yeah. off we go, and, and just treats it as. I think it was one of those game. games where we needed to get the early goal, you know, and perhaps settle down a bit. Then, mm. but it was still, I was still impressed by, like as Mark says, a lot of the the passing and the movement. The pressing, you know, they were getting the ball back quite high yeah. up pitch a lot, you know, that sort of thing. Um, perhaps we got a little bit shaky late on, um, but yeah, it started to look a little ragged. There were there were a couple of couple of chances Sunderland had, which you know, with with a bit better application, we could have um, we could have come unstuck. But but yeah, you know, as as Tone said earlier on, it, it's it's the northeast. It's a point. I mean, a lot of those shots, they they all seem to you know end up in the goalkeeper's arms all the time. But then in another game, one of those goes off a shoulder blade <laughs> in the other corner and you're 1-0 up. You know, it's that sort yeah. of... Uh, like you say, I think it's a bit too early to to start worrying heavily. It would have been nice to see some maybe crosses go in to give Costa something to, to go exactly. for aerially. But then I suppose O'Shea and, uh, good point. and Brown were good. playing well in the air. I think Good point you made in there about you know is that the weight of expectation on this undefeated rubbish um, panel? But Mourinho's sort of almost going out of his way to say um, we're not even thinking of that we will lose a game. You know, mm. um, you want you imagine uh, you know that Mourinho, mm. if nothing else, he's ever the pragmatist, isn't he? Um, you know, he, he's his overriding style of football always has been lended itself towards the pragmatic as opposed to the um, you know to the to, to the, the risky or anything like that. So, it, but I'd be surprised if he if he hadn't got the players' feet firmly on the ground with that one, in, you know, and was sitting in there saying, you know what, we lose, it happens, we'll move on. Mm. I mean, you don't go into that as a coach, but obviously you, you, you would have had to discuss it at some point, you know. So I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you, you know, when you when you look back, and obviously we'll, we'll shift on to Schalke in a minute. When you go back to the Schalke game, you know, he described it as perfection. It, it's 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 a game at a time, you know. Yeah, we, we look we looked absolutely invincible on. 
went on Tuesday, and yeah. you know, albeit I think Chalker didn't have a terribly good game and, and made a, made a lot of errors. You know, you ask the question after that, and, and it's kind of well, yeah, the world's our oyster. But you know, a nil nil draw against Sunderland, um, and they they were the last last team to beat us in the league. Um, and and yeah, it all looks slightly different. And I think Dona, you made the the point last time about having that that great head almost a head start and a, and a few points in the bank is is that it's for days like that, isn't it? Where mm. you know we only get a point, City get three. There's a bit of a buffer, so you know hopefully we can um, we can crack on. We were quite I mean, strange as it may seem, it was more disappointing I think to end up with a draw at United. Um, yeah. And even and even and at City, City as well, yeah, because we were a goal up. City were down to ten men. United, it was practically the last minute. Um, you'd almost say those games we let slip, whereas the Sunderland one, we never quite had our did, did had it in our grasp, as yeah. it were. And, no, absolutely. Um, you know, it's easier to understand. You know, a team like Sunderland defending in depth, just you know, doing a good gritty job. Mm. Um, and yes, you, you take what you can get from that sort of game. Whereas the, the other two games, you could almost say that was four po- four points dropped. Really, yeah, um, it is one way of looking at it. I think. No, very true. Very true. Um, so that I think that leaves us um, was it six points clear of City now, um, and obviously we've got um, Spurs on Wednesday. Well, what's the most we've been clear of City? Well, when, when, we, when we're on even, you know, because sometimes they say, oh, Chelsea have like a 15-point lead and then you realise that City haven't played at all the season. You know, in 2005, sort of it was three divisions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just, just a timely, a timely reminder that nouveau riche upstarts. Uh, indeed. <laughs> Um, I was I was talking more about the last couple of months, really. <laughs> eight, eight points, I think, has been the most. Yeah, right. so okay, eight points. You, you know, know the, the point is we're better off than we were arguably last week when we were only four points in front of Southampton, but mm. Um, mm. whatever five points or seven points or whatever it was in front of um, City, and um, this week we're six points behind or six points in front of the second place team instead of four. So for me, um, gain. Yeah, it's 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 fine as far as I'm concerned. It's um it's it's, it's still looking reasonably good. Um, yeah, I mean, compare and contrast um, the Sunderland, which was you know a, a, a frustrating a frustrating toil in the in the northeast, um, to the to the trip to Schalke on um, on Tuesday last, which um, we looked fantastic. So only our second Champions League final. five nil away win in the Champions League since Galatasaray in 1999. Um, a fantastic performance and absolutely into them from the off, which is a similar um, tactic as um, as against West Brom at the weekend. Um, neither team we, we we let neither team settle, went at them from the off, and um, and it was all both games were pretty much over as a contest within half an hour. And West Brom especially so because they're sending off. Um, I personally didn't see the Schalke game. Whoever did, feel free to chip in. You didn't see it. It was, I was out. It was my birthday. I was busy. Uh, well, surely your birthday, you should have insisted that you wanted to watch the game. Oh, other things to do, old chap. Other things to do. Champions League group game. You know, had it been a bit more important, I might have done. But you know, well, it wasn't important because we needed to win it. We did. That's very true. Very true. Uh, I think my, you're, uh, uh, yeah. you're getting a Mark Bollock in here. <laughs> I, 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 I believe. I had, a, I had a very nice day in Germany, actually. 
Oh, you, you were there? Of course you were there. I went, yeah. yeah. Um, flew out in um, midday and um, made a lot of investigation about where to eat because Gelsenkirk and, and Schalke are just um, industrial towns, the equivalent of Burnley and Barnsley, mm. apart from the fact the industry is still running. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I'd, 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 I'd spent three weeks researching where was I going to eat. I was oh. getting quite a state about it, really. Anyway, mm. I found this very nice restaurant in Dusseldorf. Oh, excellent. And I realised we had time. It was 15 minutes taxi ride from the airport, so we shot down to this restaurant. Had very nice um, beef stew with sauerkraut, potato dumplings and apple sauce. Oh, it was lovely. Nice. I forgot to mention the start. It was salted um, herring mm. and an assortment of different beers. Dark beers, light beers. It was really lovely. A good, fantastic uh, lunch. Good, good, good away trip. Excellent. And then um, we had to get up to uh, Gelsenkirchen, which is about an hour away. And um, football is different in Germany because your um, match ticket covers your train fare, mm. which is um, it's frankly revelatory. Good. Yes. So we, yes. we we went to the ticket office, and these, the people in front said, "Is our um, match ticket going to cover us?" And the ticket office said, "Yes." So we waved out, said, "Okay, okay," in German. And um, we got on the train. Anyway, the train we were on was the only privatised line in the whole of Germany where they wouldn't accept tickets. So that cost us 30 euros each. Uh, how's, how's, how's your luck? Yeah. Uh, dear, dear. Um, and then the ground um, was, was good. Um, it's a great stadium. There's no segregation, which is interesting. Okay. Um, people are smoking on the concourse quite legitimately. You know, if you're outside, you can smoke. You know where the Peter Osgood statue is? Mm-hmm. That sort of is a locked-in area. They lock the outer gates, and you can wander around You can wander around the whole stadium. And out there, you can have a smoke, and then um, that's at half-time. You come in. Um, oh. To get your food, you have to buy a credit card, which is odd. You can't pay cash at the counter. So you have to go and queue up at this other little kiosk to buy a €10 credit card to then go and spend it. And obviously, you don't want to take a credit card from Schalke back home with you because it's not really going to work it's anywhere. Not, it's not going to cut much mustard, is it? So, well, so you have to ask for extra mustard, which was another €2.50. <laughs> oh, um, dear idea. And then on to the game. They were a bit picky, actually, the stewards. The stairwells are painted in a um, different colour from the seating area. Right. And if you put your foot on the coloured section of the um, exit stair thing... They come running down the stairwell and ask you, really insistent about you must put your foot back, even if it's only like an inch over. So all of the Chelsea fans were obviously <laughs> edging their feet out just to irritate the Germans, who were very, very um, sticklers for the rules about the foot must not cross the line. In, in 1873, I yeah. was when Bismarck was Prime Minister of Prussia, they actually banned the hokey-cokey. Did they? I just thought I'd throw that in. Oh. <laughs> What the fuck? The one thing that really... Go to Wikipedia um, now, Mark, yeah, and look that one The one thing that sure. really shocked me, actually, was how hostile the fans were to their team. They, they gave them some stick, didn't they? They gave them some real stick. I mean, if they played one um, bad pass, they were booing, jeering, shouting. I don't know what's been going on with um, Robbie and the team over the last few weeks, but all I can assume is it's gone horribly wrong, and they mm. were at their last straw. Well, and there was no tolerance whatsoever. And then the fact, you know, by the time the fifth goal went in, they, um, the, I mean, the crowd was empty apart yeah. from a few Chelsea fans stuck in the corner. But they, they haven't lost a game at home since April, haven't they? Or something they've got. A- I don't know. I, say, they, yeah. I thought they'd been. They've, they'd, 
been yeah, a reasonably I, 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 decent run. And, yeah. I mean, taking up Joseph's point about us being a bit quiet, I would say if it's a choice between being silent and being hostile to your own team, silence is probably the better option. Silence is yes. indeed golden, yeah. I would say, yeah. yeah. But onto yeah. the game, I'll let you cover that, but it was fantastic. Yeah, it's, um, he's only been there two, three months, I think. So um, yeah, it'll yeah. be interesting, interesting to see how that, um, that develops, because if they've... Um, They've taken against um, him, well, him indeed, and the team um, already. That's um, that's probably not a good sign. I think they're a bit fed up with him because he hasn't won the Champions League yet. I mean, last time he managed the club, he'd done that. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd done it within six months, hadn't he? Because <laughs> yeah, they were doing, they're certainly doing worse before he took over, weren't they? I, I don't know. That's the impression I had. Yeah, they they were they hadn't started the season at all well. They'd lost quite a few games at the beginning of the season. I thought he'd sort of steadied the ship a little bit. Obviously, not to their satisfaction. Uh, well, it could be worse. You could have Brendan Rodgers in charge, let's put it that way. Mm. Um, yeah, it, 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 as far as I could see, a fantastic game. Tone, do you have anything to um, add about proceedings themselves? It was it was ruthless, wasn't it? Uh, I think mm. that's... And that was nice to see. Just for once, it was nice to see that um, um, the, 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 the team had gone out there w- with intent, I think. And I think there's something that's been missing from one or two games in the last few seasons, actually, I think, when we've, when we've gone abroad, especially in the group stage. Um, well, you've uh, had it, the, old, the old lethargy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of this. It's almost like this is, this, there's, this, there's this stereotype, this paradigm of football, how you're going to play it when you play away in Europe, as opposed to doing what you do at home, which is sometimes just go at the other team and think, right, you know, well, we're going to put the pressure on you. It goes back to what Mark said the other way. This was actually... Um, I've been listening, obviously, to the podding sheds when I did my drive up to... Um, um, the sort of North, e- or North Yorkshire last week and I had a really mm. good listen and Mark raised the point I didn't remember it the last one anyway but I said wouldn't it just be nice just for once for us to be on the front foot instead of sitting back and letting other teams come at us yeah and this this was it this was actually the game or or one of the first games I remember where we were almost completely and entirely on the front foot going at them not really mm. giving them a chance to break out and I think that was um, you know, some people go, oh, he's just because you're flat track bullying a team that are in sixth position in the Bundesliga. How badly mm. can they be doing? I mean, they're only bloody, mm. they're only three points off a third, for Christ's sake. Um, mm. But I, I do wonder that, 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 that we don't do that often enough. And I thought that, you know, Jose summed it up nicely, didn't he? You know, winning 5-0 away is unusual. Winning 5-0 away in Germany is absolutely unheard of, pretty much. Um, so it was, it was good to see us go out there and, 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 take that team pretty much apart you know mm. I think uh, they were a bit unfortunate with an own goal I think well, it was a bloody good own goal but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> particularly impressive but, yeah. yeah but I mean the goal the goalkeeper's mistake I think for the second goal was it and, and then the the header for the, the the own goal you could say that they were coming out of you know pressure and, and, a, and a team feeling pressure and starting to to make big mistakes yeah. because of the the pressure that was being applied because it was uh, you know they d- when we scored early I thought well maybe it's going to be like the game at the bridge where we got ahead and then sat back a bit and they they got very much back into the game didn't they they had a very good 15 20 minute spell I seem to remember and um, I was wondering whether that because we've scored early in quite a lot of away games in Europe and I, I was waiting for that to happen but we just kept the foot on the gas, and that they they made a couple of bad errors. Mm. We got the goals, and 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 then just kept going. And and there was no point where they ever got into the game, which was a contrast with what had happened at 
Stamford Bridge earlier in the season. Mm. Do, you, no, do you think did. most players um, record the matches they've played in and then watch watch them back afterwards repeatedly? Uh, the clubs certainly do, don't they? As part, yeah. But of do, the... do you think the players do? Mm, I don't know. Good I don't know. I'm just fascinated by the fact that Tony has the need to listen to his. Uh, to recordings of these podcasts <laughs> when he goes for his long drives around the country. There must, there must be a, a name for that condition. I don't know what it is. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 nice, it's nice to hear our soothing, calm voices when you're in an unfamiliar part of the, I, part of the country. I did, I I did suggest to, um, when Tony mentioned it, I did suggest that what we should do is get one of our female partners to record on part of the podcast, um, sat nav driving instructions. Just, just, yeah. just, yeah. just take the second exit at the roundabout, and you've just missed your destination. Yeah. So that if anyone is listening in the car, they will get very frustrated. Indeed, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure we, I'm sure we frustrate the listener enough without yeah. uh, without adding to it. It's always very sad. I think you know, like when you've got your favourite film or favourite album or something like this, you know, and you sort of listen to it over and over, watch it over yeah. and over, and you think, oh, they must have had such great time making that film or make it. Oh, they must, you know, when they look back on their lives, they must think, thank God I was in that. And then you have, a, you see them interviewed on, you know, the top actor or actress or whatever. They're interviewed and they say, uh, now about your part in such and such, yeah, I've never seen it. And if <laughs> they turned up, did their script bits and it's all done in a, different order isn't it it's never done yeah, in the, no, no. the ecology yeah. of the film so they've turned up done these various scenes got away and never watched it mm. uh, <laughs> hid in their Winnebago for the, the rest of the filming and saw nothing yeah. else but um, so there's a lesson for you there Tom anyway, oh, I, I, I meant what I said it was genuinely listening to us black was laugh out loud funny it really was I, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm delighted by that I, I like to think so too whether, whether anyone else listening does exactly guess I suppose um but yeah, a, a, a fantastic performance, and we we go back to um, West Brom uh, the weekend before, and, and very similar. Just just a game that we 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 steamrolled them from from minute one. Costa got the early goal, and uh, having having beaten the um, the offside trap, um, they fell asleep at a corner, which um, which let Hazard in for the, the second. And the assumption was we were going to go on and and destroy them, but we, I, I think we just. You know, we've got um, we've got a busy schedule coming up, and it, it was a bit like a training game. After that, there was plenty of possession, but no um, no further goals. Um, with um, it was was it Jakob that got sent off? Yeah, um, for a, a challenge. That apparently, Robbie Savage I think was um, was deserving of a red, which um, amused me no end. Um, yeah, but there was a definite there was a definite pattern and rhythm to both those two performances I think yes you know, same much. players it, it was you know structured the same way and, and played very much the same way and there was a very identifiable change up in gear and, and generally the they looked much more cohesive than they have maybe even most of last season and early this season despite how well mm. we're doing there seemed to be a, an extra level of cohesion and, and understanding amongst the players. It was it was very impressive to watch those two games. There were um, there was sorry to, I, just, I just got so to remember you may have seen it because it was down down at our end. Um, there was a little passage of play in the um, I think it, I think it was the first half. Um, Hazard. Oscar and Fabregas just dink the ball about in little triangles down in the corner flag between mm. lots yeah. of little deaf back heels and just defenders standing there like, well, I, do, I have no idea what I'm going to do next. Let's just <laughs> let them carry hold until, <laughs> until such time as one of them makes a mistake. It was, it was fantastic to watch. Yeah. Just mm. great football. And a, a friend I was watching the game with on, um, on Saturday kind of made the point is that 
when we're good, um, and not to suggest we were, we were absolutely spot on on, on Saturday, it's just that the, uh, some of those little dink passes, they're the, the, real, the real clever ones that just take players out of the game. Mm. Just, just you completely the opposition completely lose you. And that's where um, that's where the opportunities come from. Um, and I think we've just been we look very, very good at doing that this season. Um, do, do anyone care to take a guess at when? Um, no Wikipedia. Um, when West Brom last won at Stamford Bridge? They, oh God, nineteen sixty-eight. Jeff Astle. Uh, nineteen seventy-eight. Apparently. Mm. Oh, okay. It says here. So, I always, uh, I've always had the impression they've given us slightly tougher games. I don't know why that is. I was talking to Clayton before the game, and 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 uh, well, I think it was before you joined us, Johnny. Actually, yes. I think we were um, under. You know, there was the both of us. I think we're sitting there saying, you know what, this something. You know, they always give us a tough game, and and when you look at the stats, actually, they don't really not very often. Not mm-hmm. our well, place, anyway. just last last season was probably the exception because we we nearly um, we nearly came a cropper and um, and got that like, um, that late equaliser, yeah. which Ramirez was well, you know, yeah. Whether it was in, indeed a penalty or not is anyone's guess, but yeah. um, and, and look and looking back, wouldn't you rather have let Steve Clark take the record <laughs> eventually when? I, th- I, think, um, I think that's probably a very good point. Um, yeah. I, just, so, yeah. I, I was going to say, no, I did have a comment about the West Brom game, which was um, go, it's sort of uh, it's a very tentative link back to what Mark earlier Mark said earlier about you know are we the new Barca or whatever? Because for the last fifteen twenty minutes of that second half. Um, I thought we that we'd gone straight into ticky tacker Barca mode. I thought football was going to fucking eat itself. Um, <laughs> it, it was, it was, uh, and it was frustrating. I found the last quarter of an hour of that game boring beyond belief. I was just sitting there thinking, Do you know what? We're just passing the ball around. No one really gives a shit whether we score another goal or not. Mm. Um, West Brom had eight behind the ball. To be fair, I think they left the need to be up. Um, yeah. And and, and uh, it may well have been a subconscious thing. Oh Christ, we've got to travel to Germany or whatever. Um, entertaining, it was not for the last fifteen minutes. I didn't think so. Anyway, um, well, the first half and, and the first part of the second half, fabulous to watch. And I thought, you know, we could go on and 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 uh, um, you know, get, it could be a riot of goals, but it it just turned out not to be. And I, I couldn't mm. wait for the whistle to go in the end. I was sort of like, well, I can't get out, get back to my car, and get a start here. You know, I've always, um, I've always likened, you know, hopefully we we won't go down that wholesale. But um, I've always likened that as, as it's like watching a a very very long guitar solo. It's all technically terribly impressive and yes, uh, yes. very good, <laughs> but after a while, it just gets on your tits. Yes, indeed. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're not overdoing it to the extent Barcelona did. Actually, um. At least Barcelona got end product and they did win games. I mean, the worst culprits are Arsenal. Well, yeah. I mean, Fanny match. I mean, we're, we're nowhere near in the is. same universe as MI. Well, I, I, would, uh, I don't think so, um, personally. But, um, yeah, there's, I, I do get what Tone's saying. There comes a point where actually... And on Saturday, I think, was, was, was kind of a good example. You know, the, the couple of... Um, the couple of... T- games where Denver Barr, God bless him, and you know, maligned though he was as not being the most brilliant of footballers. But there were actually a couple of games that we, we won off the back of an incredibly long hoof downfield yes. to, to, to the big lad up front, and bang, in, in it goes, and, um, and you've got your three points. And I, you know, that's, to me, that's a little what we lacked on, um, on Saturday. But, um, but, you know, like we say, it's early days, and uh, we're not going to panic too much about it yet. No. And I, am, I appreciate I'm probably being a little bit pedantic about it it was just that was my, my impression and the guy sitting next to Attilio um, we we were both sitting there getting more and more frustrated thinking well it, 
uh, if if we're not really going to make that much effort to score, well, how much point is him sitting there watching this? You know, because it's like you said, it, the, the guitar solo point is 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 absolutely spot on. It was it was a bit. You know, it it was a bit Genesis. It was a bit sort of oh, oh fucking hell, come on, next track, please. Then you know, can, can we just can we just have a quick three note riff and yeah, um, and exactly. At that point, uh, I was waiting for. for I was <laughs> come a comedian. <laughs> no, no. You were well, wanting more Ramones uh, in Emerson Lake and Palmer. That's exactly what it was. Way. Yes, yes. Thank I was looking for um, oh, I hated Emerson Lake and Palmer. Yeah, mm. I bought a triple album or something. Oh dear! Oh no! I thought I, just... I thought because I, I was a bit naive, and I thought there were certain things I had to be seen to be listening to. So I thought, well, I'll buy this. I'll, I'll get into it. I'll enjoy it. It was my worst purchase of my life. I think. Yeah. That's what. That's I, what I was waiting for. The, the, that five minutes at the end of that game, I wanted a bit of Blitzkrieg Bop. That's what I wanted. I wanted that. Just you know, mm. up there. This gets some damage, but you know, hey. And I realized, I realized that it's put me right in the prawn sandwich brigade when I'm sitting there moaning about some fantastic football. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Roy Keane's just knocked on my door, so uh, no, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it really is like that. Yeah, could be worse. Could have been David Mellon. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we have to stand by him as a fellow Chelsea fan. We, we, we have to stand shoulder to shoulder and support him. Isn't, isn't, isn't he Chelsea knee Fulham though? <laughs> Well, it's always it's always been a, a matter for debate, but um, uh, as, as, as has been, I, I believe, noted on this. Um, yeah. This podcast before, what on earth is the man going to do when his looks go? Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so but actually, also um, a good um, in terms of West Brom, a good a good reaction from the faithful to um, to Jose's little prod in our ribs about uh, about atmosphere because um, the atmosphere was quite decent and there Fantastic. was a um, good bit of singing. Um, hopefully, that will carry on for tomorrow night. We don't usually need um, much invite to get um, up for a game against Spurs, and evening games are always a bit more atmospheric and um, and lively. So, hopefully, tomorrow will be um, will be a, oh, sorry Wednesday night will be a, a good. Um, you can't the arse back there. <laughs> <laughs> Christ, I thought it was Wednesday, and I, I'm usually wrong on these things. So I thought. Thought, oh my god, it's all good. So, Wednesday, it is. Um, yeah. so yeah, what I will just I will give us a brief rundown of what is coming up. So, yeah, Spurs at the Bridge on Wednesday, uh, they're going to be a little bit more buoyant after a win. Um, Diego Costa is out, um, after picking up his fifth booking against Sunderland on Saturday. Um, Fabregas is also booking from a suspension, and Newcastle is, is going to be a, a tricky one, I think. Um, we've been a little average up there for the last couple of years and apart from um, their defeat to West Ham on Saturday they, I think they got half a dozen wins on the bounce and they will probably be glad to get back home so um, there's a couple of intriguing games coming up there um, over the yeah, so let's say we don't beat Tottenham and we lose at Newcastle and City win both their games well well it's time to panic isn't it should we start panicking now <laughs> so well we could go down the route you said Mark which is basically throw the whole squad out in January and buy a new one but yeah, yes. I think we, we might have to contemplate that. Yeah, I'm just um, I'm, I'm making I'm making preliminary notes for Pottingshire 58, and I've got a, I've got a panic penciled in just in case. Yeah, can I can I make a po- point about the atmosphere there, Johnny? That mm. so you said because it was good. I thought it was fantastic against West Brom. Um, the the club can play a bit of a part in this because um, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I think in the last few home games, certainly maybe this season, it's been more pronounced than others. Is that um, they play a rather um, feeble, low volume liquidator when the teams come out, and then they cut it short for that f- 
poxy bloody sample of Let Me Entertain You or whatever it is they play yeah. as the players shake their hands or whatever mm. and I, I don't know whether that's a Premier League rule but if it is Chelsea should tell them to fuck off and we're, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to play what we want to play because Direc- they, directors they, have a tone well directors they did then they played that they played that, that they stopped it to do this this risable fucking handshake thing or whatever where they walk past and that distributed and then they came back in with Liquidator and that, and that does get people going I don't mm. care what people say they're going well you shouldn't need a song or whatever to play but it does get the crowd lifts, going lifts, it's our song. Crowd. It and, and I think it needs to be louder and it needs to be bloody longer and it needs to be there while the players are warming up as well you know just to get people mm. in the mood That's everyone cheat up a wee bit yeah I think so yeah yeah. indeed no, a very good point um, so well, yeah maybe we, need, maybe we need someone with a drum oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Germans had a drum <laughs> oh did they didn't bloody stop <laughs> well, um, you know, you right. know what they're like with marching and music and so forth um, yeah well, Phil Collins isn't doing much these days, so perhaps there's an opportunity there. We, we, wanted, we had a bit of Genesis, didn't we? <laughs> he was, in, he was in the chart. He was in the charts when John Neal was managing. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't uh, I've got a feeling? We hark back to um, back to the days of Ken Bates. I've got a feeling in uh, you know one of the you know. We're obviously very, very fortunate as football fans to have uh, have Uncle Roman in charge, and um, Ken, Ken bought m- many, many highs and lows. But one of the best bits about it that I really do miss is his program notes, because mm. they were they were always entertaining, always having a dig at someone, and it gave you know Harry Harris or whoever it was, you know, it gave gave them their story for a Monday. But I'm fairly sure that one of the um, obviously one of his ongoing bugbears was was freeloaders ringing up saying, "Can I have some free tickets?" Oh I'm yes, he was always on about that. But yes, I'm, I'm fairly sure that one of the people who got a mention in, in one of his, his later programme notes as, as being told to fuck off in no uncertain <laughs> terms when asking for freebie was Phil Collins. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm absolutely certain of it. I, I'm now going to be rummaging around under the stairs looking for all my old programmes. I did like Ken Bates, but I always get the impression that um, him and Bernie Eccleston were separated at birth. <laughs> you know, when it comes to being curmudgeonly old fucking goats, like, you know, they really are just intransigent beyond belief, aren't they? But, uh, yeah, okay. It's, so, uh, it's a, it, it, it does make me laugh because he, he was didn't he? St- he threw out players, didn't he? A lot of ex-players out, didn't he? We did, he yeah. I mean, he fell out with an awful lot of. Um, I, and I'm, I'm pleased that because um, it was um, the, the late Tony Banks who, um, when Abramovich took over, I think did, actually did quite a lot to, yes, kind of bring them back into the fold. And, and you know, we are heartened in the sense that you know, not long before, I think it was probably about a month before Osgood died, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. But he was actually out on the pitch, and you know. Hearing his hearing his song sung and uh, which you know was it was a good thing. So um, we've there, there is a rumor that um, Chelsea may consider uh, allowing Ken Bates to be buried uh, in Stamford Bridge on the basis that it's probably the only stretch of ground large enough to allow in all the people who'd want to dance on his grave. <laughs> <laughs> I was good. <laughs> <I> was good. <laughs> That's probably a fair point. Um, <clears throat> excellent. Um, so, yes, um, Spurs at home Wednesday, Newcastle, Wales. Uh, um, <laughs> don't control yourself, man. Oh, sorry, I'll go on mute for a second. <laughs> um, 
Sporting Lisbon, the final group game uh, in the Champions League, which um, where we have secured top spots. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see the team that um, Jose puts out next week. Um, hopefully, uh, a few of the kids will get a run. Um, mm. Again, kind of hoping interview. I'm fairly sure that both take place before um, before we record the next one. Um, we'll have the FA Cup third round draw and the last sixteen draw of the Champions League. Um, which is uh, something to look forward to. Um, the only other bits and bobs that I've picked up over the last week or so, um, Cesc Fabregas and Eden Hazard are in FIFA's 2014 World XI. Um is going nowhere in January, according to, um, according to Jose. Um, so that's, that's a good thing to hear. Um, anyone else? I, I don't know whether Tone's just collapsed and died on the other side of the <laughs> No, I'm back now. I'm okay. It's I'm recomposed. Fine. Yeah. I was worried, worried you had a bit of a conniption. <laughs> just, I was, there was a link to Seth Fabregas there, which was just an interesting quote that he said that he feels he's playing the best football he's ever played. That's, uh, you know, That's, I mean, it's a, 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 it's a bad place for a decent side too. Well, yeah, mm. exactly. And, uh, you know, whatever you think of Arsenal, they, they, you know, there was a culture there of playing this lovely football and in Barcelona, and then he comes to us and says this is the best he's ever been, you know. But, there you go. Um, good there good you stuff. Go. Nice to know. Um, I d- I'll, I'll throw the public service message in just to keep Nick happy. Uh, you can browse our extensive back catalogue at www.poddingshed.com. Um, if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, do let us know via that website or get in touch via Twitter on at Chelsea Blog or at the Podding Shed. Um, any more for any more? Uh, it's a very fine listen if you're driving to North Yorkshire and Scarborough and around that area over the period of two days, there and back. Um, fine, fine stuff. Stuck in the M25 for two hours, um, rather early on Monday afternoon, and it was a bit of a salvation. The podding shed. There you go. I, I, I believe the condition that I suffer from that Mark said about is called narcissism, but, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you're not, even, you're not even being paid for that plan, no, not which, which, paid a bunch of thing. thing yet. <laughs> Um, in which case, um, we shall reconvene in uh, a couple of weeks um, when we will have played at Spurs, Newcastle, Sporting Lisbon, and I believe Hull um, is um, it's our last home game at the bridge before Christmas on the 13th. Um, so we will convene in two weeks' time. Um, in the meantime... Can I just say that um, hmm. life, life has certain coincidences, hmm. and it just so happens that... Um, the evening read that the uh, children like to listen to at this very moment in time, which started late last week and will run on probably to the end of next week, is, is, a, um, is a character called Mr. Gum. I don't know if none of you would probably be aware I'm of this. not familiar of his, um, his work. <clears throat> Mr. Gum, um, I can't even tell you who it's written by, but I have listened to several of these on long drives down to France, etc. And it features one of the finest characters ever to come out of the Northeast. And I've oh. spent the last few nights, and we're on in this week, doing my impersonation of uh, a character called Alan Taylor, who is um, a 15.24 centimetre gingerbread man with electric muscles. And he's a character in this book, and he speaks in the north. And he's, I, it's get if you get a chance, listen to the author whose name I can't even remember, and reading his own book and doing little Alan Taylor, the gingerbread man with electric muscles. Mm. I wasn't able to watch the Sunderland game and won't be able to watch the Newcastle game and hear anyone from the northeast speaking without thinking about little Alan Taylor. The gingerbread is, man uh, with electric muscles. And this is, did you say Mr. Gum? Yes. Andy he, Stanton. He, he, his he, first he, name's he, not Ebar, is it? 
Sorry. Sorry. I've, I've given myself a yellow card for that one. <laughs> you stayed too long in your chair. Yeah, Mr. Gummin, the biscuit billionaire, he features in that. Little Alan Taylor. Alan, <laughs> uh, sorry, Andy Stanton. Is, the is that his him? name? Yeah, he, he, lives, he lives in North London, so I'm not sure about him. But, um, yeah, no, but he's, well, you should do Little Alan Taylor. He's a little gingerbread man. He becomes a billionaire and gives everyone loads of money to be his friend. And they can just talk like him for hours. It's great. And he's got electric muscles. That sounds a bit anyway. more like Mrs. Doubtfire to me. But anyway, it, was, no. it was as best I could do. I've just insulted the whole of the North East. Oh, it reminds me of a Tim Vine joke. Um, he, go, he goes off with um, a really gruff voice. Think of someone camp. Um, who can who, give me a name of someone who's a bit camp? Duncan Norvell. Well, give me someone there. someone's heard of. Alan Carr. <laughs> Alan, Alan Carr. Carr. <laughs> yeah, Tim Vine says. Um, I've. I here's th- this is Alan Carr. Say hello. Good evening. I'm Alan Carr. Oh, sorry. I might have given you the wrong impression. <laughs> 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 and on that note, I, I, I suspect, given the um, the high pitched nature of, of Donald's impression, there are, there are probably dogs running <laughs> running around <laughs> East London in some North and East London in some considerable distress now. So we better, we better leave it there, um, gents. As always, thank you very much, and, uh, and good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.